Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. Yay! I loved it. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we've got answers to your summer listener questions. That's right. Yes. It's a summer listener questions episode. Woohoo. All right, Liz, should we just dive in? Hey, let's do it. So our first question, Liz, comes from Donna Marie, who we've known for, I think, 100 years. Uh, yes. And who is one of our favorite people. Yes. Donna Marie asks, is being a showrunner everything you thought it would be? So this is just starting with an enormous question here. I know. Um, It's funny because someone said the other day that they thought when they were a showrunner, they would have more power and that yeah. things would be easier and people would do what they were telling them to do. And they found, oh, wait, you don't really have power as a showrunner and people still don't want to do what you're telling them to do. <laughs> and I didn't disagree with that. I mean, I think the surprise is how many people as a showrunner we have to answer to. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's such a mixed bag, but for me and I would, I think also for you, the best part is just having more control yes. of our own lives, you know, yes. whether that's, Choosing to go to a doctor's appointment or choosing what project we're spending our entire lives on. Yes. It's on both small and large matters. Having more control, I think, is something that makes both of us much happier. That was one of the things that really drove us to want to be showrunners. Because we, when we were just on staff, we were on someone else's timeline. So if yeah. they want you to be there at 9 o'clock, midnight, whatever time you're there. I mean, and I think it used to be much, hours used to be much worse than they are now. Yeah. But our one of our primary objectives was you and I were like, we want to 
go to work. We want to work and be productive and we want to be able to go home. We don't want to be at work at midnight. Right. Because so much of that when we were at work at midnight was just days that were wasted, you know, yes. <laughs> just like yes. just waiting for someone to come in yes. and weigh in on something. You're like, these are hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. Yes. <laughs> Of course, the kind of irony is as a showrunner, oftentimes you are doing things at midnight, but you're doing them at home on the couch. And you and I have found we are not productive after midnight. So I think no matter how crunched we are for time, it would be rare that we would be working that late. Whereas earlier in our career, we would do all-nighters on a regular basis. No, now we're more likely, or at least I am, to be like, okay, 6 a.m., I'm going to go through this or watch this. But yeah, there's a certain point in the day when I'm just done. Yeah. And I think that being a showrunner, I mean, one of the things is you realize how little of the job is about writing. The writing is so important. So it's kind of a weird thing where ultimately I think writing is the most important thing, and yet we spend probably the least amount of time doing it. Well, and of course, that's what I like about being a showrunner is that it is so varied and we're doing so many different things every day. And there's also a difference, I think, between working on a Saturday because you choose to and working on a Saturday because of other people's choices. That's very true, Sarah. And then I think the other thing about being a showrunner that I never really thought about until we were in that position is being a leader, a boss, let's say, is something that is very hard for me to fully embrace the boss title. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think about being a boss. I just thought about the show. And I think that's hopefully something that we get better and better at as the years go by. Yes. And now so many years have gone by. (laughs) I will say as hard as it is to be a showrunner, you and I would always rather be the showrunner because we like having control over our time. And ultimately, as you said, that is the number one thing. Yep. Great question, yeah. Donna Marie. Thank you. Thanks, Donna Marie. This comes from Margot. She said, I would love to know what podcasts you enjoy. I need to find something to listen to in between Happier in Hollywood and Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Oh, thank you, Margot. <laughs> well, I have to say, Sarah, my list really has a lot to do with the housewives. So this <laughs> is only going to appeal to certain people. Bitch Sesh, Watch What Crappens. Two Teas in a Pod. Those are my housewife podcasts. Then I also love Queen of the Con. Juicy Scoop is kind of housewives slash other juicy topics. The Dream I love. And lately I've been listening to a lot of Life After MLM. You and I are very interested in MLMs. How about you? Yes. Okay, well... Unfortunately, for Margot, Happier with Gretchen Rubin is like the top of my podcast list. But I also listen to The Daily because I like getting kind of deeper dives into news. I, I listen to Little Stories for Tiny People a lot with Violet. It's like the best storytelling podcast for kids in the world. I really like 10% Happier. There's a fiction podcast called The Triangle mm. that I really loved. And then I lately have been listening to Stuff You Missed in History Class. I think because I'm homeschooling part-time, I'm like, okay, I want to find different 
interesting ways to teach and learn about these things. So that's a fun one. And I think if you like Happier in Hollywood and Happier with Gretchen Rubin, 10% Happier might be a good place to start because I think it's in the same world tonally. Yeah. I would love to hear from people of their favorite podcasts. Send them to us and, and we can share them. Yes. Okay, our next question is from Christy. She said, have you or will you do a float sensory deprivation for your year of rest 22 and 22? It's my fave manifestation of rest I've found. So just curious of your impressions, especially since you have such different takes on sound baths. Yes, for anyone who doesn't know, I absolutely love a sound bath. I find it more relaxing than a massage. Sarah hates a sound bath. She finds it grating and uncomfortable. I don't think I could do sensory deprivation. It is, I, I, I just think it'll freak me out. What about you? I think I could, and I think I would really like it. But I don't know of anywhere that does it around here. If I knew of somewhere, I actually might do it. Interesting. Sounds like an incredible reprieve to me. <laughs> I think it's a more appealing thing when she calls it a float. Is more appealing yes. than the term sensory deprivation. Yes. You can just be like, oh, I'll, I'll be gone for a little while. I'm going to do a float. Yes. A float. Michelle asks, why do some podcasts have ads, but others don't? How would those podcasters be making money? And why do podcasts sometimes break for an ad, but then come right back without an ad? It's funny how noticeable that is when it happens. (laughs) And I don't know. Do you know the answer to this? Well, I have a very um, educated guess. Okay. And my guess, well, first of all, for the first question, why do some have ads and some don't? Probably because the podcast isn't big enough yet to get ads. That's one reason. So you need a certain number of listeners to sort of have enough presence for people to want to advertise. And then some podcasts are behind a paywall. So if you pay a subscription fee, they wouldn't have an ad. Or some podcasts are even ads in and of themselves, like Crest Toothpaste, I'm just picking that randomly, could do its own podcast and not have ads because it's sort of an ad for itself. So there's different reasons. Why do they break and and not have an ad? My theory is because they're hoping that they get an ad later. So they have certain markers for ads And it may be that there isn't an ad there now, but if the podcast picks up a lot of steam, advertisers can put in ads at a later date, but they need to have the placeholder where that ad would go in order to insert it. It's really a technology thing. So you don't want to not have the spot to put it in. The great thing about podcasts is that for the most part, they're free. But the reason that they're free is because podcasters can monetize in different ways. So just here's a shout out to everybody using those discount codes and and, uh, supporting (laughs) our sponsors. Yes, indeed. Okay, and then we have, Liz, we have another ad-related question. Amy says, what makes you decide to record the advertisements in your own voices versus a true commercial? Well, it's funny because it's really not up to us. Some some companies want to have hosts read their ads and some companies have pre-made ads 
And it's not even like, a, do you want to read this or do you not want to read this? And that goes to some ads are inserted later. And those are usually the, the ones that sound more like a traditional commercial. Yes. Michelle asks, have you ever considered having a raffle for HIHers to be an intern for the day? I would think this would have hands raised like happy minions and perhaps reasonably priced tickets could go to a worthy cause. Sarah, that's a fun idea. Should we ever have an office again? I mean, right now, I don't know what an intern would do. Yeah, we have no physical location. Yes. <laughs> but yes, that's a great idea. That In the event that we fun. have an office, yeah, we would love it. And there are so many worthy causes. Yes. Okay, coming up, a question about you and I being the queens of cutting. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we are back with more listener questions this one comes from annie who wrote i was listening to episode 263 the other day when you were talking about being queens of cutting you were talking about cutting out dialogue that even if it was a good piece of writing didn't help move the story. My question is, when you do that, do you save those pieces of dialogue somewhere so that if you're ever writing something else and it applies, you can plug it in? I'm just thinking that sometimes we come up with something really great to say, but it's just not the right time to say it. 
It's not a bad idea. We yeah. should have like a slush pile. We do not do that. I don't think we have ever done that. I do think it has happened where we've recycled something that we didn't end up using like it's popped yeah. up somewhere else kind of naturally. And we've been like, ah, I remember that line we didn't use from something else, but we don't save it. I mean, the thing is, when you're writing, you just have to always assume there's going to be another good line of dialogue, you know, to come. So you yes. you just, you can't be precious with it. And every good line of dialogue is so situationally dependent. Yes. But unless you're in that exact moment again, emotionally, it's not going to be as good. So, yeah, but still, like, I'm sure there are some lines that we'd like to file away. Yeah, well, if if we'll start a little um, Google Doc of good yes. lines. The great we lines might, Google If Doc. a writer says something that we think is a yeah. great, we will take note of that. We will say, yes. please write that down. We want to be able to use that in the script. Yes. Ben Edlund, I'm thinking, is someone who quite often oh, yes. would say things where we were like, okay, someone write that down. That phrase has <laughs> to be in a script. Okay, Jill asks, can you talk a little more about how you come up with and develop the fantasies for Fantasy Island? Mm, that's an interesting question. The main thing that we think about when it comes to fantasies for Fantasy Island is ourselves and the people we work with and the people we know. And like, what fantasies would we and do we and would all of those people have? Like, everything for us for Fantasy Island has to come from a really real, emotional, identifiable place that we think is going to really reach people and grab people emotionally. Yes. And then, you know, as we're developing the fantasy, we think about complications. We think about how what we want isn't always what we need. And so how does that manifest on the island? We think about why does the person have this fantasy what is the reckoning that needs to take place for them to sort of be able to get to the other side? You know, I'm thinking of, for instance, Sarah in an episode, the first season, where we had the lovely ladies of Melrose Place starred, and it was three friends turning 50, and they each had a fantasy. And one woman's fantasy, which I will say came directly from you, which was her fantasy <laughs> was just to rest. And that seems yeah. so simple. But in developing it, we got to, well, why doesn't she have rest? Yes, it's because being a working mother is very difficult and you don't have enough time to rest. But if you dig deeper, she also wasn't taking care of herself. She wasn't prioritizing herself. And she had to kind of reckon with what happens when you neglect yourself and your health. Where right. does that lead to? And it made her realize like nobody was going to step in and make sure she got enough rest. She had to do that for herself. And as we got into that, then we would have the beats that went with it and the story twists. And it was one of my favorite fantasies that we've done, but probably the simplest. The simplest. And I think what makes it one of your favorites is that it's so emotionally resonant. Like it, yes. it's something that everyone struggles with. Yes. And I think our best stories are the stories like that. 
Yes, absolutely. So thanks, Jill. That's a great question. And again, I always need to mention season three. Hopefully we'll be developing many more fantasies for season three. Uh, And then Karen asked, do people ever recognize you from HIH, happier or from your jobs and ask for a selfie? I know I would. Do your family members mind being mentioned? Well, I'll just answer and say Violet loves being mentioned. (laughs) Anytime she is mentioned, she absolutely loves it. And it's even better if she can come on and hear her own (laughs) voice. (laughs) And my family members do not mind being mentioned. I will say that we're very careful not to say anything that we think any family member would not want us to say. We're not spilling the tea on the family members' <laughs> private business. And yes, people do uh, recognize us. I often get recognized when I'm in Encino, I think because people know I live in Encino. And so it's not a surprise to see me. And then the other funny thing is, Sarah, you know, I guess apparently I have a very specific voice. (laughs) So people will hear me and they'll come over and go, oh, I heard you talking. Are you Liz Craft? And that just amuses uh, me that my voice (laughs) is apparently very specific. What about you? Uh, Yes. And I often get recognized with Violet. I think it's probably like a combo of my voice and then I'll say her name. Mm. And people go, oh, wait, you know, yeah. like we <laughs> I got recognized uh, once at like, like Disney on ice because yeah. I was talking with Violet and once at Aroma Cafe again with Violet. And yeah. then she loves it. She's just like, oh, my God, <laughs> my mom is so famous. And then I have to explain, like, no, I'm really not, honey, sorry. Yeah, exactly. The funniest one for me was I was at with a bunch of moms in Las Vegas at the pool. (laughs) And someone came up. And I mean, of course, many of these moms don't even know I have a podcast. So they're like, what uh, is happening? So that was quite funny. Um, But anyway, do say hello if you see us. We love to be able to thank you in person for listening. We so appreciate every single listener. So always say hi. Always say hi if you feel inclined to do so. Madeline asks, I'm curious about the fact that the two of you are splitting one job and one salary. And yet you both seem to work more than full time. Thinking of a recent episode where you went through your day in detail, and I think it started at 6 a.m. and ended at midnight or something like that. So if you're splitting a salary, people are getting two for one, right? Does that make it tough for other writers to compete with the two of you? But also, are there different expectations because there are two people? What about two health insurance plans, two 401k plans? You both seem to be successful. Thank you. So I am curious about how the nuts and bolts of the shared job situation works. Well, Sarah, we've talked about this on the podcast before, which she's referring to that, yes, we share a paycheck. Yes. Which is the biggest obvious disadvantage of being partners. The way the WGA works, so we have our own health insurance plans. We have our own pension plans. Part of why we became a team was because we thought it would make us more appealing um, because there were two for the price of one. I mean, straight up. Yeah. Well, and we also, it was a two-parter. It was, we felt that, and we also felt like we would be more successful and accomplish more as a team than we necessarily would on our own. So it's like, it's, there are pros and cons for sure. The con obviously is that we only make half of what everyone else doing the same job makes. 
And the pro is that our job is more fun. Yes. I think we're really good at it as a team. What's also great about being in a team, and again, this is when you say are the expectations different? Yes, like if we have, let's say, a playback session, if one of us can't be there, it's completely fine for just one of us to attend. You can't do that if you're a solo person. So yes, the expectation is, okay, well, this is a team, but if one of them is here for many things, that's okay. Now, if someone hired us as a team to be in the room, it's not as if we could say, well, Liz is here Monday, Tuesday, Sarah's here Wednesday, Friday, or, you know what I mean? We, right. we Although have- Liz, we did when Violet was born, you were yes. in the room on a show and I was at home working on a pilot that was part of an overall deal that we were in at the time. So Yes. And you when know, I had Jack as well, you were in the room and I was just home with Jack, not doing anything, but, you know, being <laughs> a new mom. So, yes. And that's a big advantage. Now, yeah. since then, by the way, Sarah, times have changed and now yeah. there's uh, maternity leave and you know, things are different now on that front. Something else to thank the WGA for. But, you know, as I think we've discussed before, I think there are going to be fewer and fewer teams because seasons are shorter. You have to scramble more to get jobs. Pay, in my opinion, has gone down. And so I think being a team is harder. You and I are in a position where it still works for us. But I think if we were at staff writer level, it would be very difficult. Agree. Times are changing and not necessarily for the better. (laughs) Okay, Liz, coming up, we have a question about an underbuyer loophole. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Okay, so Liz, this question is for you. How could you always be buying practical pants and still be an underbuyer? Is this a new loophole? Teresa wants to know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, this is where I would say the exception proves the rule, right? The reason why it's so <laughs> notable that I had this habit of buying a lot of practical pants is because I don't often go around buying a lot of things. 
So the fact that I'm buying practical pants becomes sort of more noticeable and and weirder, let's say. I, Sarah, I have stopped buying practical pants, oh, by the way. Excellent. For the moment. I mean, I guess that means that's my canary in a coal mine. Yes. So I guess I am not overly stressed right now. Well, that's nice. Um, I haven't bought nary a practical pant in months. <laughs> but I still count myself as an underbuyer for the most part. Elizabeth says, has Sarah ever tried quilting? Oh, this is a good question. It's the most addicting of the fiber arts. How is a spinning wheel? Well, I love that she says it's the most addicting, most addicting to her. (laughs) Yes, I know. No, it's so funny that you asked that, Elizabeth, because I, since I just moved, have been unpacking and organizing books And I found a couple quilting books. Now, I have never tried quilting, but I'm also purging. I'm just purging, purging, purging. And I did not purge those books. I kept those books. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So quilting is definitely on my list of creative, crafty things to do. The spinning wheel is sadly languishing, but I did just get a drop spindle. So I've been spinning on a drop spindle, which is so easy well, it's not easy to do, but it's small and like easy to to take with you places. It's portable. But someday I will get back to the spinning wheel. Soon. Someday soon. <laughs> okay, Liz, this is a question for you from Lori. She says, what is your favorite Real Housewives franchise and housewife? And if you were putting together a Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip cast, who would you include? And before you answer, I just have to say, Liz, put some time into thinking about this. She, like, really has been processing the question and coming up mm-hmm. with a list. <laughs> okay, so, so it is so hard to pick a favorite. I mean, it's between OC and Beverly Hills, okay, with uh, New York being a close second. There's something about the original, which is the OC, that just, you know, makes me happy. (laughs) If I were putting together an Ultimate Girls Trip cast, who would I include? Well, I'm doing six names here, okay? It's so hard. Um, But I'm going to go with Nini from Atlanta, Kyle from Beverly Hills, Sonia from New York, Giselle from Potomac, Tamara from the OC, and and this one is kind of out of left field because she's sort of boring, but I think with these women, it could be interesting. Heather Dubrow from the OC. So that's some current housewives and some former housewives. There's no combination that I don't want to see. Let's put it that way. And I have no idea who any of them are, but you do yeah. talk about Heather Dubrow a lot. Like she kind she of interests comes up. me. Yeah. She interests me. Okay. And finally, Sarah, a question for you. Ashley asks Has Sarah always been a single mom? Or as we call it, Sarah, only parent. Yes. Um, And the answer is yes. I did talk about the whole long saga in episode 141. So if you want to take like a deep dive into it, you can listen to that episode. But yes, I had Violet with a donor on my own. I kept waiting for the right guy to come along and he didn't. So (laughs) it was more of a priority to be a mom than to be a wife. So I had her on my own and she's awesome. Thanks for asking. Yes. And do go back and listen to episode 141 because Sarah has a great story. (laughs) 
And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And thank you to everyone who wrote in with questions. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. And until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, we have so many questions we didn't get to answer. I know. We might have to uh, do a surprise two-parter next week. (laughs) I like it. From the Onward Project.